This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome back into another edition of the Fantasy Authority Podcast. This is part two of our conversation with Ray Garvin from DLF and at Destination Devi. Uh, if you guys like what you guys hear, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, please check out our content over on YouTube where we're breaking down a bunch of prospects right now ahead of the NFL draft that it is next week. We are less than a week away from the draft. Finally, we'll get some landing spots on these guys. We'll be able to have a much more in-depth conversation about these guys' value, where you should value them, whether that's in Dynasty, whether that's in redraft coming up uh, you know, in the next two or three months. But uh, we are really looking forward to that. And be sure to check out our live draft shows we're gonna be live on thursday and friday for the entirety of the draft we have a ton of guests coming on guys like evan silva graham barfield travis may elliot christ nick whalen a slew of guys uh that we are just really excited to have on the podcast ben heisler excited to have him on all these guys on it's gonna be a great show so be sure to check that out and, and once again enjoy the second half of our show and we'll see you again on sunday night when we do a live mock draft or live rookie mock draft peace Your team, your league, your questions. It's time once again for the only show that's all about you. This is the Fantasy Authority Podcast. So I guess from transitioning on from a guy who may not be an athlete with his 14% burst score, uh, to a guy who has all of the athleticism, 100 percentile 40-yard dash, 100, uh, 110 uh, speed score, which is 90th percentile, and 136.9 98th percentile burst score. Henry Ruggs is another fascinating guy here because he doesn't have, one, he doesn't have a breakout age, which is crazy. He only has a 17.5 dominator rating. It's a guy who is uber-athletic, who everybody likes to, or I should say everybody, but a lot of people like to compare to Tyree Kill, which again, I think is lazy. Because Tyree Kill is more of a unicorn than anything. One thing with, with Henry Ruggs is we, we, or we typically see wide receivers who are sub-190, which he's right up there on the, on the brink of it. He's 188. That don't really perform well outside of Tyree Kill. Um, or who don't put up the numbers that we're looking for. But with Henry Ruggs, like, the thing is, we can all not like Henry Ruggs or not be as high on Henry Ruggs as everybody else is. But when he goes the, the first wide receiver off the board or the second wide receiver off the board... Like draft capital matters, and the 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 one landing spot that I'm more nervous about, the, the not nervous about that I would hate to see him go, would be the Las Vegas Raiders, because I do not think that Derek Carr can utilize him correctly, and it has the arm strength to, and and or I shouldn't say the arm strength, but has the the want to to go deep to hit him deep. Now I, I know that's not only Henry Ruggs's game is just being a deep threat, but I think early on I think that's where teams are going to want to use him, and if he goes to a landing spot to a quarter quarterback who is not going to want to get him the ball who is a first read only guy like Derek Carr is a lot I think that's what ner- makes me nervous about Henry Ruggs if that's where he were to land in the first round I don't think that's the best landing spot for him yeah I wouldn't want it either as a Raiders fan I don't want to see him there I, I don't think that'd be good for him uh, and his development as a receiver and I don't think it'd be good for the Raiders because we don't have a quarterback 
either uh, the backup or the starter who want to push the ball down the field like that, which right now is Henry Ruggs' best asset, his best skill set. Um, I feel double counting. I feel like a lot of people, probably NFL teams, were double counting with Henry Ruggs. If who didn't think he was fast, like you know what I mean? Like who were we shocked that he ran a four two seven, four two eight, whatever it was? Like nobody was shocked. If we were shocked, it was because we thought he was going to run even faster and break the record. So why are we? I just feel like he's being double counted. You could watch two seconds on Twitter of Henry Ruggs dunking a basketball in high school, in high school, and knowing that he was going to jump high in the vertical jump and jump far in the broad jump. But he's going to be the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft. That I think he is, and draft capital matters. So therefore, we've got to pay attention, but I won't be drafting him on any fantasy team unless it's best ball. Uh, I just don't, I don't see... I think you're looking at another Ted Ginn, Marquise Goodwin, where we get excited about and they serve a better purpose in real life to help their team win as the deep threat, as he's not Tyree Kill. Stop it. That like let's not even go there, right? He's he's not Tyree Kill. Um, I think he's a Marquise Goodwin. I think he's a, he's a Ted Ginn Jr. He's going to help a team tremendously because it's going to open up things underneath. You got to respect that speed over the top. But for fantasy, I think you're looking at an inconsistent player. He's going to, and what's going to happen? Watch, mark my words. Week one, he's going to go out there, catch four passes for 150 yards and two TDs. And everyone, I told you Henry Ruggs, and then he's going to go three or four weeks and catch like, a ball, two passes. It's going to be inconsistent. He's going to be boomer bust. Draft capital matters, but I won't be paying the cost for him in uh, Dynasty. Well, we've done some of this stuff too. Like, I mean, it's not it's not a one for one comp, but like a Corey Coleman type was super athletic coming out. Everybody was super excited yes. about him. You know, it just didn't work out. We've seen it. Look, John Ross, another guy, went, had a top ten has top ten draft capital. Now, I think John Ross maybe finally starting to maybe figure it out. We saw this past yeah. year. We'll see, but. We've seen it just because a guy goes in the first round. Like, I, it's certainly something to, to take into consideration. They're obviously going to get much more opportunity and much more chances to succeed in the NFL because he's a first round pick and and things of that nature. But like like you said, like I I would have no I would have no interest taking him either, just because I don't think he's ever going to be a reliable fantasy asset. And if he if he ends up going to one of these teams, which I fear that's what's going to end up happening, he's going to go to a team that's, that's going to kind of tank his value because he needs to go to a, a system and a quarterback that has that DGAF attitude that I don't give a fuck and I'm just going to throw it, you know, something like 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 um, you know Patrick Mahomes or you know quarterbacks like that 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 have the arm to to do that. If he doesn't, if he goes to Oakland, I think it's I think it's a, a death sentence for him. And imagine him with uh, Jameis Winston, just YOLO balls. You know what I mean? He needs one of those kind of quarterbacks. Or uh, Josh Allen, maybe. Obviously, they're not going to do that now. They don't, you know. I mean, they don't have the capital. But he he needs one of you know one of those guys that can get underneath the ball that Josh Allen obviously throws fifty yards too far down the field. Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's that's what you need. I mean, you you guys touched on everything with uh, with rugs. The, the only thing I'll say, I, I do have him in the same range that that Ray has him, kind of in that six, seven, eight range. The thing with me for him, and I think Ray touched on this perfectly, was the the people that are pushing him up to wide receiver one, two, wherever that is, I don't think that they're accounting for 
his range of outcomes. And I think that Marquise Goodwin, Ted Ginn could be in his range of outcomes. Like I, I truly do, but I, I don't think the people that are having him as wide receiver one overall, and there are NFL draft people and fantasy people that, that have him there. I don't think they're accounting for the real possibility that Marquise Goodwin, Ted Ginn is, is in his floor of outcomes. And the, the thing for me, if I'm looking at a guy that I'm thinking about taking for, for fantasy purposes or NFL purposes at you know as wide receiver one is I want an I want an alpha that I don't have to scheme for that I can just throw out there and just say go do your thing go get it and with rugs now can he develop that of course he can and I think that's something where a lot of us get caught on both sides is trying to account for how much they're going to progress at the next level like a lot of people like to think like oh they're going to go to an NFL team that immediately means they're going to get faster, put on weight, they're going to get better, their skill set's going to expand. And that's not necessarily always the case. But with Ruggs, as of right now, as it stands, I think he needs to be scheme the ball. And I'm not taking a guy as a first wide receiver off the board that I have to do that with. Yeah, I don't think it would be a good – I don't think it would be a good move because if he lands on a team like the Raiders, a team like the Jets, he's probably going to be asked to be – that guy, right? He's probably they're, they're probably expecting him. Hey, we we're, we're drafting you number eleven overall, number twelve overall. We want you to develop into that one right away. And I don't think he's that. I don't think he's close to that yet. You know, if he was asked to run the full complementary of routes and and win in different situations and go up against number one corner Stephon Gilmore's, uh, you know, playing against these teams with. Tyron Matthews sitting there at safety or slot. I just don't think he's ready for that yet. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can see that. I don't know. I will, I guess I'll have to see. I think it's really going to depend on where he lands and everything else. I could end up seeing, if you want to compare anything to Tyree Kill with him, I, I think that maybe you see him utilized similar to what Tyree Kill was his rookie year, where Tyree Kill was kind of used everywhere. They lined him up in the backfield. They you know, they put him in the slot. They they, they, they design plays for him. If he goes into a system like that, I can see that's where he, how he's utilized early. I, I, I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to be somebody that year one that you're going to be able to have a lot of confidence in sticking into your fantasy lineup, so. And see, and uh, and real quick to that Tyreek Hill point, one of the things that Hill did so well that Henry Ruggs has zero experience doing is being a special teamer, returning punts and kicks. Like it, it seemed like he was returning a punt for a touchdown every damn week, right? And then I'm sure Kansas City at some point was like, "Yo, we got to get this dude. Let, let's get him acclimated on the offense." Henry Ruggs, did, I think he returned like a punt in his career, it, in his entire career. He's not a punt returner. Wasn't a kick returner really at, at Alabama. So he can't even if he's not getting on the field at receiver right away, what what else what is he gonna do? He can't return punts and kicks for you. I mean, do you really want your first round pick wide receiver returning kicks in the first place? I don't know. That seems crazy to me too, someone with his kind of athleticism and speed that they never line him up as a punt returner. Maybe that says more about him uh than, than anything. Yes. Else. So Yes. I don't know. Speaking of burner, uh, we can talk about the, the next two guys are kind of not similar in who they are, but similar to neither one of them did anything at the combine. So we don't have any sort of athletic measurables to go off of. And that is Brian Edwards for one. And then the other one is KJ Hamler, right? I kind of put these two guys together because they're in terms of their athleticism, we know nothing. Um, what we do know is a guy like KJ Hamler, who is, you know, five nine, one seventy eight. But when you look at him, I think that 
you know, he is somebody that was obviously uh, super, you know, I, his speed translate. I know some people have tried to maybe call him Deshaun Jackson. I think that might be too, a little bit too high a praise, but I think that he's somebody, again, that, that goes to a team looking for speed, utilize and deploy him in, in many different ways to get the balls in his, in his hands. And then you have Brian Edwards, who I absolutely love Brian Edwards. I've loved him since the moment I watched him. I know a lot of people talk about him and say that he looks very slow, that he's not going to be an athletic dude. I do know, <laughs> take this for what it's worth, that I saw that one of the the, the, the speed tracking sites tracked uh, one of his, his runs he had this year, and he got up to like 22.8 miles per hour, which was one of the fastest of any player in the league, or in college football this year. So I think he does have some some speed to his game that people aren't giving him credit for. Now, people will look at his numbers and say, well, he didn't do a whole lot. A lot of his production came on um, came on screens this year. But that's more of the, I think, a product of the South Carolina offense. We saw sort of something similar with Debo Samuel as well. You know, how, how they deployed him whenever he was in the offense last year. So he kind of stepped right into that Debo Samuel role this year. But in terms of these two, just in terms of not having any sort of athletic measurables to go off of, how much do you weight that in? Or, again, not at all with, with either one of these two. Um, a little bit for both of them, more so for KJ Hamler than Brian Edwards, because Brian Edwards did, does possess one of the earliest breakout ages we've ever seen. I mean, he was doing that against SEC competition as a 17 year old is unfathomable to be doing that that early. Um, he does have the size. He's six foot three, 212 pounds. Whatever you perceive his speed level to be by watching him on film, we know he's not slow. You can absolutely see, um, and then you see his 46.2% contest the catch rate. The dude, when the ball's in the air, he's another one of those contortionists of his body. He's very good. He's got, he's made some of the most ridiculous catches that you're going to see in a college game, just extending for balls, gives up his body for passes. Uh, he was a player who did return punts. He was used out of the backfield, like in those little jet screen, uh, jet sweeps. I'm fine with Brian Edwards. I'm. I would have loved to see, you know, his athletic testing. I don't think it would have been out of this world. But I don't think it would have been bad. I think it would have just been like, okay, that's that's what we thought Brian Edwards was. It, like again, we double counted Henry Ruggs. I'm not gonna double knock Brian Edwards. I think he is who he is. KJ Hamler, a little bit different for me because he's five nine, one seventy eight, and he wears number one. Yes, it's very easy to physical comp him to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, I wanted to see KJ Hamler's 40 time. I, I really need to know how fast he is because if he isn't, I don't think he was faster than Henry Ruggs. I don't know if he would have been faster than Antonio Gibson or Denzel Mims. So if he's not the fastest or one of the fastest players out there, I'm just, I don't know what he, I think again, he serves a purpose in the NFL and he's going to be very good for an NFL team, but consistent fantasy asset i'm just if i had to bank on one of the guys uh, that uh didn't test between these two i'll take brian edwards i'll take the production uh i'll take that six foot three 212 pound frame and i'll th- i'll take his versatility that i've seen over four years over uh, kj hamler's two years of production and being so doggone small i, I need to see how fast he is yeah, I mean, if you look at some of his other stuff that he has, I mean, his 19.2 breakout age is terrific. Uh, he had the fourth most explosive plays, and he had separation on 60, 64% of his targets, which is pretty insane as well. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Like, I think a lot of the stuff is there for him, but I just don't know how well it's going to translate into the, into the next level and, and how teams are going to look to deploy him. 
Um, so I think that'll be interesting. What do you think, Cody? I know you're the resident Penn State guy here. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, I, th- I think Ray made a really good point, though, with because of the way that Handler wins, you did want to see – like even though you see it on tape, you still want that to be verified. You still want to know, oh, okay, he has this athleticism. This is how he's going to win. This is how he's going to be used at the, at the NFL level. With Edwards, I mean, that, that doesn't bother me because – like with the 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 main thing we're probably looking for is like we all want to see forties, right? How fast are these guys? That wasn't Edwards' game. He's not he's not a guy who's going to burn past you. I think he can get deep, you know, against certain corners, and if he gets you know gets a clean release or if he's able to defeat press, I think he can get behind guys in the second in the secondary. But that's not how he won. Um, I think Hamler might have a tougher time because I think he's you know my knock against rugs in terms of needing to be schemed certain plays, I think that's absolutely going to apply to Hamler. Ruggs is kind of on the borderline. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Hamler, I think he he has to be schemed in space. With with that frame, man, if, if he gets pressed, it's <laughs> it's over. <laughs> KJ, I love you, man. You were so much fun to watch at Penn State. But if a cornerback gets hands on you, I think that's where that play begins and ends for you, brother. I'm 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 sorry, but Edwards he's he's been a guy that that I've been really high on this this entire time. Do we want to see that so we have the the full profile and so we can feel better about maybe comps and where they fit in? Sure, but I, I think Edwards has enough over his four years that there's there's really not much left unless he came out and he put up a a four eight. You know, what I mean, if if he came out and ran something completely abysmal, then maybe you knock him down a couple of spots. But I I don't think it was that. I don't think it was a four four either. But I, I mean, I feel like a mid to high four five was was probably within his range. And the, the thing I love about Edwards the most is he put out the tweet uh, referring to draft Twitter specifically, and that was that's 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 been one of my favorite things is seeing you know athletes at the pro level and at the collegiate level kind of talking with us or talking to us and the fact that he referred to he had he had a tweet that was like it, it, it was something like oh i see draft twitter thinks i'm slow okay <laughs> yeah i i was actually man and i'm telling you man going into the combine he was my wide receiver five and he was one of the players that i thought would shock some people at the combine i know you're saying you know mid to high four five I was thinking he was going to crack sub four five. I, I really thought the same way that we were shocked about Jalen Rager. You know, you we were shocked about Jalen Rager not running four three, or we were shocked that Justin Jefferson ran a four four. I think I think Edwards was going to be the dude who left the combine having all the crazy buzz because he does have the metrics to back the things that he did do on film. He's got that prototypical size. I thought he was going to put on an absolute show at the combine had he not hurt his foot. I was I was ready for people to be aboard the Brian Edwards train. Luckily that didn't happen. I already had Denzel Mims taken away from me. At least I at least I get Brian Edwards staying, you know, staying a little bit low. So <laughs> thankfully that didn't happen, man. Yeah, so let's let's move on to a couple uh let's move on to LaVisca Chenault, right? He is somebody that again 
that a little bit I was a little bit surprised with, with his 40 time but then it, it ended up coming out I guess we'll have to give him a pass that he ended up I, I don't think he ever should have ran at the, at the pro day whoever gave him advice to actually go out and run knowing that he had a core muscle uh, injury that he was going to need to get this taken care of he should have just got it taken care of because I don't think it helped him in his stock I mean obviously the dude was, was deployed all over the field he was used as a tight end, wide receiver, running back. Like, he was just kind of everything to them. And for me, I don't know why, whenever he initially got hurt back in, what, November or whatever it was, why he didn't just get it taken care of then. Maybe you're, you're ready for the combine by that point. But his combine did not help him. He had, you know, he ran a 4.58.40, and I think I think most people would have would have thought that he would have been better than that. His speed score was was, was okay, 103.2. But everything else, if you looked, you looked at him, I just don't know where he's going to where he's going to end up translating into the NFL and how he's going to be used. Is he Debo Samuel, where he's somebody that they are going to line him up in the backfield and use him as a, as a runner, as, as a halfback? I mean, he had a, a pretty decent breakout age, 19.9, 35.1 dominator rating. He had 44 missed tackles forced, which which is uh, just shows you how, how good he is in space and, and what he can do there. But I am concerned with his injury history. And how much of that are you, are you, are you factoring into, you know, LaVisca Chenault? I mean, big time. That's a big part of my my evaluation with him. Uh, you know, you know what you're getting. Don't complain. Don't 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 be upset when he's missing five, six, seven games a year. Because I mean, listen, his injury history is already extensive. I mean, torn labrum last year. He's got a core muscle injury this year. I think there was something else that was wrong with him. And every single game, and I'm not exaggerating, that you watch Lavisca Chenault play. He's limping off, missing series here and there. Just like it just seemed like every time I turn on the table, he was limping off the field and on the sidelines. And then, sure as the sun rises, he goes to the combine and limps off after the first 40 yard dash. And I'm just like, dude, the dude can't stay healthy. Um, so it's Sammy Watkins. The thing is, I, I truly believe he's probably oh, the most, I mean, he, he, Talent-wise, I think he's one of the most talented what he can do with the ball in his hands, wide receivers in this class, period, when he's on the field. When he's on the field, he's a tank. He's a tank with the ball in his hands. He's versatile, again, when he's on the field. He just, in his style of play, he's not one of those receivers that's going to go out of bounds. He's fighting for extra yards. He's used as a freaking running back, as a quarterback. He just lends himself to abuse, and I just think that you know, a couple of years from now, we'll be talking about LaVisca Chenault being that guy, man. If he can just stay healthy this year and put it together for a full 16, you're going to have a wide receiver, and we'll do it again. If LaVisca can stay healthy this year, I'm just out. I'm out. Now, somebody who also had the had the injury history was like a, like a Debo Samuel, and he's someone that, like, I, th- I feel like once he's been in the NFL, we've forgotten about that injury history. You know what I mean? So if if he's able to put that together, but like you said, it that's that's a big if. He's he's had those injuries and they they seem to be something that pops up every single game on a weekly basis. Questionable coming into it. Kev, you said you want to know who gave him the uh, the advice to run that forty. I want to know who gave him the advice to wear that young Jeezy black tee. T, dude, legit. When I saw him, I knew something bad was going to happen. I was like, this is either going to be slow as shit. He's going to get hurt. He, he looked like he just was – I got this is what he wore in the combine with the number on it, just a black tee, gold chain, and he tears his core or whatever the hell is wrong with him. Ah, just 
Yeah, man. Do, do you do you have that shirt signed by Laviska? Does that have his signature dude. on the back? Do you at least get that signed? No, dude. I got this from Visca after he got lumped off the track in Indy. I was like, "Yo, Visca, let me get that. Uh, let me get that blanket you're wearing." And he just tossed it over to me, man. Hey, you got to respect the drip, okay? Yeah, man, Visca. <laughs> yeah, f- funny sidebar, but I swear I thought I was the only person that was just like, "Dude, have on a damn black t-shirt running the 40? No, I mean he. It stuck out like a sore thumb. Like, like, what? What are you like? You have Lyman out there wearing, you know, what I mean, like wearing the the cutoffs and the slim fit. You have you have Visca out here wearing the the young Jeezy black tee. Like, dude, what? What are you doing, man? Yeah, that wasn't gonna end. It did not end well for him, and his draft stock is probably gonna take a hit because of that too. He would have did better off not testing. He would have done better off not doing anything. Yeah, absolutely. Because at least then you can be like, well, I guess we have to revert back to the tape. And like you said, what his tape when he's on the field and he's making plays is is super. It, it's super exciting to watch, man. And I, I also think that that's also something that goes against him as well because of how he was used. Like guys, guys are kind of dinging him because he's he's not super refined as a receiver because he was used in so many other ways. So he, in order for his his fantasy stock to really hit, he has to be put in a situation where they're going to be willing to use him in all those different ways. So that's along with his injuries and along with, and along with the landing spot, I think the the NFL draft is going to be going to be something that's going to be super interesting for, for a guy like him to follow. Um, kind of moving on to the next guy here. The, the next guy I Ray, I, I want to tell you that I think you were the first one that I heard talking about him beating the drum for him early on during the season uh, when I was following the the DDP. Um, Brandon Ayuk, he's he's someone that, again, talking about the, the podcast I was on with Dwight and J. Mike and a couple other guys last night, I said the same thing then. I'm going to say now. I like I don't know how to feel about Ayuk. I, I don't know how to put my finger on him in terms of how I how I really feel about him because – Obviously, if you look at someone's highlight plays, you're gonna be like, "Oh, damn, he's a baller." But like his, <laughs> like like his plays were like even if they're not highlight plays, like he runs those kind of in breaking to outbreaking routes really well. I love how he does that. But like his plays where I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like that was that was a really nice play. Like he'll if you watch his game against like Oregon, I think he destroyed them. If I'm thinking about that that game correctly, and then you look at his game against like Michigan State from this year. And he was he was basically non-existent. So like for for me, he's someone that I can't really I can't really pin down on how I feel about him and how I evaluate him. Kev, you talked about him earlier about you know how you feel like he's kind of today's NFL receiver in terms of how he wins and everything. And something that you were touching on earlier, Ray, was using the metrics and everything else to like really put together your comps and how you feel about guys. With the breakout agent, as far as it concerns with with Ayuk, is is that something you're knocking him for, or is the fact that he was the JUCO transfer then behind Harry? Are you kind of waving that off? Where, where do you fall on Ayuk in terms of the the overall picture for him? Uh, Brandon Ayuk, another gosh, there are just so many interesting cases in this class because first of all, I, I really thought he was going to be a lot faster. I know 40 yard dash is not everything. I know we're talking about it a lot because that is the the metric that we all want to see at the combine, but I thought he was a hell of a lot faster than a four five. 
and then his, you know, his speed score sixty fifth percentile, but then his burst score is ninetieth percentile. And when you turn on the tape, that's what you see out of Ayuk. He's a very bursty athlete. That's why he has so much success with screens, with outbreaking routes, with in cutting routes. Because I mean, he doesn't have to hit top max velocity with those type of routes. Um, and that's why you kind of saw that. As far as him being a JUCO transfer, listen. I prefer my players, I don't care if you're running back, quarterback, offensive lineman, D-tackle, to perform to perform and produce early. True freshman, true sophomore season, yes, I would like to see that happen. But he was a JUCO transfer, so I think context does matter. Um, he did have to sit behind Nikhil Harry, and it wasn't him just sitting behind Nikhil Harry. I mean, he was kind of like, and I don't have his production stats from uh, that that year in front of me, but I don't think he was relatively close to Harry as far as being, uh, you know, an option and a target. And that's why coming into 2019, there weren't a lot of people, even a lot of people who follow the college game who were really on Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think he's good. I think he does offer uh, unique playmaking ability. And he is a special teams, like he's really good at punt returns, which is a fantastic way to get on the field. Um you know, he produced this year. He produced and, and won a lot of the same ways Nikhil Harry won at. And uh, I think he's going to have to grow at the next level and learn. But I can say that about nine, ten other wide receivers in the top ten as well. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he's actually another one of the one of the guys that I think are borderline first round pick. Like I could see him easily going in the first round. People have talked about that. That there's a lot of teams that are uh, enamored with him and what he's able to bring to the table. And like you mentioned, I think there there are certain th- certain qualities like his his uh, usage in the in the on special teams. I think is one. You're right. Like I, you know, his yards after catch w- w- was elite. I mean, ten point nine yards after contact. It, it is great. His his dominator rating was fantastic. The the one knock you could mention on him is is the late breakout age twenty one point five is certainly not what you want to see. But you know at the same time sometimes it takes guys a little bit longer. But I mean the dude is absolutely dynamic. As soon as he gets the ball in his hands, I mean the, the man's got a six foot eight wingspan, which is insane. But like I said, his explosiveness is off the charts. But at the same time, I think that he's very inconsistent at the catch point. I mean, he only caught three of four contested targets in his career, which is something that uh, I think is a little bit of a red flag. But at the, then you could go right back and say, well, I mean, he he ranked 81st in deep targets this year, but he had 384 deep receiving yards, which shows you just what he what as soon as he gets the ball in his hands, how dynamic he can be. So. I don't know. We'll have to see with him. Um, but I do think that he is somebody that I think NFL teams are going to covet um, at the next level because of everything that he's able to do and how explosive he is in space. There there are plenty of big-name scouts and analysts who said they have a higher grade on Ayuk than they did on Nikhil Harry. So, hey, we'll see. Yeah, what Jim Nagy said, it was every team that he talked to had the, had the higher grade on Ayuk versus Harry, which – I mean, I, I wasn't even that big c- comparatively on Harry as everyone else was last year. But like that to me just doesn't make any any sense at all. Yeah, Nikhil Harry is better than Brandon Ayuk. He was better than Ayuk in college, in my opinion. It, it, and he did it at an earlier age, and he produced yep. more consistently. So I, I think that's a silly comparison, to be honest with you. All right, man. The the last one of your of your top twelve here, a guy that both uh, Kevin and I really like, uh, Michael Pittman, smooth operator. He he's also another guy who has uh, who didn't really. I, I can't remember what his breakout age, but he didn't really have that big season until his senior year. 
the thing that the thing that jumped out to me about that is the fact that he did it with three different receivers his senior year, and he also has guys you know like Amonra St. Brown that I know uh, a lot of Devi guys are are pretty pretty hyped about coming in. Um, be, because of all this and with the the combine obviously helped him out. Is there is there a a team that you think would really be able to, to help him out like a landing spot where you think he might be able to jump up, you know, three, four spots in, in your rankings and maybe like consensus ADP or anything like that. You know, a, a spot that I would really like to see him go um, and, and be utilized on a young fun seems like offense. What I would love to see him be a compliment to Cortland Sutton in Denver. I think you get two, you know, you get those two big boy wide receivers out there with Pittman and Sutton got the dynamic tight end and Noah Fant, I think Pittman would make an excellent compliment to, to Cortland Sutton's versatility because as big as Sutton is, man, that dude can play all over the field. He is an alpha number one. I don't know. I love Pittman a lot. I like Pittman a whole lot. And being a USC Trojans fan, I got to see a lot of him uh, on Saturdays. I don't think he's a number one, but I think he's a very solid number two wide receiver for uh Four teams. So if I was picking one spot, I I would really like to see uh, the Broncos get them. And you know they're not going to do it in the first round, but maybe in the second round take a shot on Pittman. That's interesting, man. Because a, a lot of the, I mean, I guess the receiver that we that we hear talked about Denver is Rugs in the in the first round. So that's that's someone that's uh, I I honestly hadn't even thought about somebody that I would like to see him land with. If we could see the Eagles double dip with. Jefferson maybe in the first and then Pittman on day two, you know what I mean? To kind of take over that Alshon Jeffrey role where he can get downfield. He can win those contested catches. That's something that, that, that I would like. We should have, man, we should have. I know you're, I know you're an Eagles fan, but you don't, every damn receiver, every, every damn receiver is not going to Philly. All right. You're not getting Jefferson and Rager and Pittman and Ruggs. And whoever else the whoever else the hell you want, y'all ain't getting all these receivers, all right? I'm just letting you know that. Is that unrealistic? Can that can that not happen? No, it's not. It's not going to happen. And then, not to mention, I mean, Alshon, you know, you know, you still got to keep Alshon Jeffrey on your roster this year because Alshon, you guys decided to pay Alshon Jeffrey a ridiculous amount of what, money. What the, what the fuck is this? You guys stuff. Okay, I'm, I'm on the I'm on the Pittsburgh side. What what the fuck is it? You guys, you guys. <laughs> Oh, this is fun. I'm on the Pittsburgh side, not that side. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you guys. Just, I like I, mean, I like Pittman. They, they they still they still have Deshaun Jackson too, don't they? And JJ Arcega Whiteside. So we don't. I mean, second round, second round draft capital with Arcega Whiteside. That's crazy. That is. Cr- I can help some of these teams out. You don't pick him in the second round, man. I don't know what Philly was thinking. That's just. Yikes. With all Yikes. these teams doing virtual drafts here, they should really probably bring like a fantasy analyst on for every <laughs> one of them. We could probably help them out. Yeah. So. Like, Ray, we were, we were thinking about going uh, Ortega Whiteside here. No. <laughs> <laughs> dude, are you fucking kidding me? That's what I tell Howie Roseman. Like, really, dude? This is I, – I don't even charge a quarter of what you're paying these scouts. Just – just hook me up with some gear and a couple of tickets, and I can give you all the draft advice you need. Man, I got a draft. I got a draft guide. Somebody, somebody's who is good at like video stuff needs to figure out a way to put together like Ray just smacking the card out of a GM's hand when they're <laughs> when they're coming just. 
Get that shit out of here. What are you doing, just, Jerry just Jones? The Kim Bay Mutombo one? Yeah, just no, no, no. <laughs> I won't even talk. Just no. But man, we're, oh. we're we're running a little bit long here. Um oh, let, let's 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 get you out of here on this. You you are the what the mayor of Devi Town, something like that. I, <laughs> I think is what you're being referred <laughs> being referred to now. Um, we're you're, we're all getting kind of sick of talking about these rookies as it's leading up to the draft. Give us some uh, Devi receivers that you're excited about. Either either some big names for us to watch out for, or some you know some sleepers. You you kind of just riff here, man. Big names: Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle. Justin Ross from Clemson, Rondell Moore from Purdue. Those every Amon Ross St. Brown, you mentioned him a couple of minutes ago. Everyone should know those names. Um, but some some guys that I think are really going to take off this year. Florida State's got a guy, six foot four, 215 pounds, Tamari on Terry. I don't think he's getting enough love. We're about to see this dude at 6'4, 215, probably run sub 4'4. He's got that type of speed. I thought he was going to declare and be a part of this 2020 draft class. And if he did, we would be talking about him right now. Uh, Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota. A lot of us wonder what happened to Tyler Johnson. What, what happened to the Tyler Johnson love? I'll say if you turn on the Minnesota Gophers tape and watch number 13 and number six, it's clear as day who the better wide receiver is. Rashad Bateman is a dynamite prospect. He's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, who else do you have? Seth Williams, the big boy wide receiver out of Auburn. Really, really love his game. Big physical wide out. I mean, the 2021 class, and I know people say, oh, here we go. We're doing it again. We're doing it. We can only do with what information is presented to us, right? And right now, if you're looking at the 2021 class of wide receivers, I'm telling you right now, I I want that class over what we have in 2020. If, which we know it's not going to happen, if these guys declare, and some of them are, they have no choice. Tylen Wallace is a senior. Um, Devonta Smith out of Alabama, he's got no choice but to declare. The LSU wide receivers are going to declare because that's what LSU wide receivers do. Uh, I think if we get a top 10 in 2021 that's projected, it's going to be better than the top 10 in the 2020 class no doubt in my mind when people are saying that Justin Ross and Amon Ross St. Brown are the eighth and ninth best receivers. Tylen Wallace is the 10th best receiver in 2021. Tylen Wallace would have been somebody we'd be talking about as a first, second round pick in this class. And he's the 10th best in the 2021 class. It's about to be absolutely insane. The, the wide receivers and thankfully, and I hate it's a boring position, the tight ends in 2021 Holy shit. Fade tight end this year. Don't worry about Harrison Bryant, Hunter Bryant, Albert O. Wait until next year because I promise you there will be three wide receivers picked in the first round. Albert O, there will be three wide receivers picked in the – three tight ends picked in the first round next year. They're going to be at least three next year. Why do we have to end this podcast? We are such a positive, and then we're going to end it on such a sour note trying to talk about Mizzou, okay? Everything Mizzou is great. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Kelly Washington really should be a first-round pick this year. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what, why teams are sleeping on him, why no one's talking about him whatsoever. Jeremy Macklin was good. Hey, hey, I'll never forget Doriel Green Beckham. The day that Doriel Green Beckham declared and went to Mizzou like, was a national holiday around here. And then, of course, in typical Mizzou fashion, <laughs> he shits the bed. You know, it is, it is what it is. It is uh, what it is. 
And y'all had that basketball player too, who was pretty good and didn't got hurt. Michael Porter. I know this is not a basketball podcast. Oh no, you don't gotta tell me. Every bad thing that possibly could happen to Mizzou (laughs) happens. Like we get shit on by so much as fans, as Mizzou fans. There is not a a fan base in college that has it worse than we do. Okay, like absolute worst. It's it's terrible. Our our college basketball coach is is a train wreck. He had one year, and ever since then, he's been horrible. Our college football program, Barry Odom, was terrible. <laughs> you know, everyone thought this, that this was going to be a, a bounce back year this past year, five and one. But we all should have known who we lose to. Wyoming, I think it was week one when we lost. Like, everyone's like, oh, this is going to be so bad. Then they go five and one, and then it's completely implode. And now we, we signed Eli Durkowicz or whatever the hell his name is. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it's all bad, Mizzou. See, you know, you got me going. <laughs> <laughs> This went completely left field. I apologize for bringing up Albert O. No, it's, it's all good. It's all good. I, I feel that in your – I felt that, Kevin. I felt your pain there. I know. We, you know, for a while, things were great for Mizzou. You know, we had D-line U where we were producing all these, uh, you know, top ten picks and everything else. But our quarterbacks are Blaine Gabbert and Chase Daniel. <laughs> so, you know, it is, it is what it is. But anyways, I uh, really appreciate having you on the show. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was uh we've been live now for an hour and a half and it's just felt fun just talking that, you know, I always talk about how much I'm sick of talking about these guys and then I'll come on a show like this and it makes it fun to talk about them again and get excited for the last couple of days before they I I I enjoyed talking landing spots. I don't think that happens enough. We at this point we know everything about these prospects. There's nothing I can tell you that is gonna shock and surprise you. Let's start putting some pen to paper. Where are they going to be? Like where are they going to land? So I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I enjoyed it. It was a good time. No, for sure. And, you know, like, like I told everybody from the beginning, they need to go check out your YouTube channel. The absolute fire, that the napalm that you bring on that show is amazing. I love it. Um, I know, what, it was a couple, maybe a couple months ago that you just compl- dropped just complete fire on the fantasy community. I love it. I think more people should spot, speak more freely about the fantasy community because I think sometimes we get a little too much, like, let, let's shake hands and all play nice. And In reality, it is still a competition. Like, we're all c- competing against each other and what we do here, and there's not enough of that. I think we should support each other, not rip each other apart, but at the same time, we should still take this as a little bit more... Uh, you know, like a competition because it is like we're all trying to compete with with to get listeners and an audience and everything else. And I do think my one of my biggest concerns, not concerns, but complaints about the fantasy community in terms of the analyst side of it is that there's a little bit too much sheep following where people are too afraid to put out their take sometimes and stand by it because they, they're afraid to not they, they don't want to go against the grain of somebody or, or maybe if they have a guy that's flying up draft boards or ADP or whatever you want it. If people are too afraid, if they're not in it or on it, they won't say anything about it because they're afraid. Think, hey, sometimes you got to drop your nuts on the table and let them know. You know, that, that's how you feel, you know, and that's how it should be. So, anyways, I just want to say I love your YouTube channel. People <laughs> need to check it out. So, <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So, keep doing what you're doing. I love it. Love it. So, anyways, you guys can find him on Twitter at RayGQ. And you can find his YouTube channel one more time. At Destination Devi, absolute killing it over there. And you know, shout out to your boy too, who does all the the background work as well. Too. Yeah, he does. He does great work too. Yep. Leave him alone. We need him. I need him. <laughs> Jordan hey, is you dope. Gotta tell me. Jordan is dope. Yeah, doing all these graphics and everything else that you have to do with this stuff and uh, video editing and everything else is a lot of work. People don't understand how much work that goes into it. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. No, for sure. Maybe Cody will one day. You know, he'll he'll help me as much. 
I doubt it. <laughs> no, I, anyway. So, again, once again, everybody, follow him at RayGQ on Twitter. You can follow me at FantasyRad13. You can follow Cody at FF. And don't forget, uh, next week, we got a terrific uh, two shows, both days of the NFL Draft. We got tons of guests coming on. We've mentioned Evan Silva, Graham Barfield, Elliot Chris, a whole cast of characters. We're going to be killing it. All kinds of guests that we have coming on. Nick Whalen, everybody, we're going to be we're going to be doing that on both days. There's going to be alcohol. Might get a little drunk. Who knows? We'll see what happens. I'll try to keep my clothes on and my pants Please. on. But if, if Jalen Rager goes to Jalen Rager goes to the Chiefs, all bets are off. So, anyways, I hope everybody has a great week. We will see you guys again next week. Peace. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.